from their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. And good morning in Phoenix, Arizona. It is 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock on the West Coast, and 11 and 1 o'clock, I'm sorry, after lunch on the East Coast. We welcome everybody to the Boomer and the Babe Show. This is the Boomer Without the Babe Show today. Deborah's not with us today. She's working with some some of our other clients with regard to some publishing that uh, that we do and help them with their uh, various publishing efforts. So she's not going to be with us today. Uh, I want to remind everybody to please go to boomerandthebabe.com, uh, sign up on our email list, and you will receive on a monthly basis about every four to six weeks our online magazine called Boomer Experience Speaks uh, with information and articles from many of the guests on many of our shows as well as some of our authors that are in the Boomer the Babes Babe series of books. Uh, we invite you to partake of that. It's absolutely free. It comes to your inbox just like clockwork. Sometimes a clock works, sometimes a clock doesn't, but even a clock is good and right twice a day, even a bad clock. So anyhow, nonetheless, you'll be receiving that, and we hope you that, hope that you enjoy it. Uh, we have a very interesting guest with us today. Her name is Jackie Dunn. She is the author of a publication, a book called Rethinking Money. And we're going to rethink money. Sometimes we always think about money, but now we're being asked to rethink it. And Jackie Dunn, thank you very much for being with me today. Welcome to the Boomer the Babe Show. Thanks, Pete. It's great to join you and your listeners in this conversation this morning. Thank you. Well, uh, I'm really interested in what we've got to uh, uh, discuss on this topic today. As I told you before we came on air, uh, I've never rethought money other than the fact that I never have enough of it. Uh, So maybe that'll fit right in with some of our conversations. But before we get into that, why don't you give us a little bit of a two-minute movie Deborah would ask for if she were here, which is kind of a little highlight film of uh, Jackie Dunn and what Jackie Dunn's done, so to speak, <laughs> uh, prior prior to being this author on our show with us today. Oh, it's it's uh, been an epic, uh, Pete. What can I say? <laughs> hey, I'm Irish. I was born in Dublin, and I have a background as a journalist. I worked for uh, the Irish Times as a freelance reporter, and then later for the largest Sunday newspaper in Ireland uh, for six years. I've been in America about 25 years, and... Um, I got really, really interested in um, money, and I think everybody is really, really interested in money, but uh, from a very different perspective, um, is is there perhaps another way? And I know as people are facing um, retirement or uh, retiring early, or uh, you know their golden years, um, the issue of money is as really looming very large in their lives. But more practically, I I really wanted to understand more about money um, because there are so many fantastic ideas. There are so many great people. Um, You know, I ask myself, why are people unemployed? You know, why isn't there enough money? Why isn't there uh, sufficient funds, you know, to fund, like, great charities, you know, all these churches around the country? Why are they struggling? So I got into a very, very profound conversation with a gentleman who is my co-author on this book, Bernard Leotard, 
who has an illustrious um, career in in money matters. Uh, he's been everything from a a professor of finance. He has been a consultant to governments in Latin America. Uh, he was uh, one of the gentlemen who actually designed the precursor of the euro. It was a convergence mechanism to uh, unite uh, the nations of Europe who are part of the eurozone into the new currency. So this guy knows about money. So I went to the guy who I believe really understood the stuff, and we started this amazing conversation. And out of that conversation, we had uh, comes this book, uh, Rethinking Money, How New Currencies Turn Scarcity into Prosperity. Well, let's kind of get right into it here. Uh, you call these uh, complementary currencies. Uh, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you mean by a complementary currency? What is a complementary currency? Very good place to start, Pete. A complementary currency are agreements. Um, and we don't think of money as an agreement. Even, you know, the eggheads, uh, you know, the professors and the economists, they always talk about what money does. It is a store of value, meaning you can save it. It is a unit of account. It is a medium of exchange, meaning that you can go and buy things. But they never say exactly what it was. And what we say is that money is an agreement. It is an agreement within a community, and a community can be a group of retire, retirees. It can be um, you know, a group on the Internet. It could be a village. It could be a, a neighborhood in a town. Well, however you want to define a community. So complementary currencies are new monetary understandings and agreements within a community to facilitate commerce and exchanges among its, mesh, uh, among its members by additional means other than conventional money, meaning dollars or pesos or euros. So, But the important thing is these currencies are called complementary because they do not replace the current system, the current national system, but rather supplement it. So maybe I can give an example uh, and give a bit of a story. Would that help you? Sure, please. Go right yeah. ahead. Yeah. So, so taking from a definition perspective, <clears throat> um, there's a great, great example of this that is probably near and dear to everybody's hearts, which actually comes from um, Japan. And uh, this system has been going for 20 years. And what it is called is furiai kipu. And furiai kipu means caring friendship tickets. So um, I have a neighbor down the road or somebody in my apartment building, and she needs help. She may need a ride to the doctors. She may need help in, you know, in writing a letter to her insurance company. I may need to make some phone calls for her. A myriad of things that, that, that older people may need. And for every hour... Uh, I spend helping her out by doing uh, services for her, helping her out. I get uh, a token, an electronic credit in my Caring Friendship Ticket account. Now, what's really interesting about this, there are many interesting aspects of this. So for every hour that I spend helping my neighbor out, uh, I can either keep those credits for when I'm retiring and need somebody to come in and help me around the house, or I can transfer these to another part, in this case in Japan, another part of Japan, so somebody can come in and take care of my 
mother or my aged uncle or whomever. The beauty of this is that what they have found, having done a lot of research on the benefits for the elderly community in Japan, is that retired folks or handicapped people, because it does cover handicapped people, can stay in their own homes and live independently for a much longer time. They don't have to go into a retirement home. And when you think about it, you know, um, having somebody call in every day or every second day to make sure that, you know, that the person has taken their pills or has, um, you know, gotten sufficient food or whatever it needs to be done, this person can live the dignity of, uh, you know, of a life in, within their own home for longer. Additionally, what they have found is because uh, it tends that younger people are, you know, helping out the older folks, is that friendships grow between these neighbors that perhaps did not exist before. And there's an intergenerational connection where um, I'm learning about this neighbor next door and her life and, you know, and and great stories from, from, you know, her history and it's it's forming a bond and what they found when the japanese government did uh, surveys of people in this furia kipu system is that the older people preferred to see a neighbor kid uh somebody from down the road calling in on them than having the healthcare nurse come by now of course if somebody needs dialysis or god forbid somebody breaks their their ankle of course they're going to go to a hospital but this is a system that augments the healthcare system that Japan has. So um, that's how one example of a complementary currency would work. And perhaps another way of looking at it is, you know, a complementary currency, what we would define as a complementary currency that's already, um, I think, everybody is currently using is something like a frequent flyer mile. I mean, this started off as a, lo- as a loyalty currency among American airlines, uh, particularly actually it was launched by American Airlines itself and then United and other airlines uh, picked up on the idea of this loyalty currency and that started about 30 years ago. And there are about, I think, almost 100 airlines uh, around the world using this now. So, you know, frequent flyer miles have grown from being a loyalty currency, making sure that somebody remains loyal to one particular brand of flight, to one where you can actually use this currency not only to buy uh, airline tickets, but you can also get hotel nights, mobile phone uh, cards, um, you can book cruises. And in certain airlines, uh, there's actually catalogs of merchandise where you can actually use your frequent flyer miles, what we would call a complementary currency, to buy things. So that will give you a sense of some of the common usage of uh, complementary currencies today. Well, this uh, I, I'm, I'm very, very glad to have heard what you just had to say there because, I, I mean, I didn't know where we were going to go with this conversation. Mm-hmm. Day. But uh, yeah, I have to admit that there are certain things that uh, that cropped up in my mind, and I made some mm-hmm. quick jotted some quick notes here as we were going along. That yes, the very the, the very first thing you've said that kind of opened that discussion portion of the discussion uh, sounded a lot like barter to me. Hmm. Um, uh, I give services, and for those services, I gain barter dollars, and mm-hmm. then with those barter dollars, I can buy services for myself. 
there are many organized barter companies, and as I'm sure you're aware, and is that considered a complementary currency? Um, yes and no. So let me try and make this as easy as possible. In, in traditional barter, before it got really sophisticated, it would be a case that um, you know if I came over, Pete, and um, you know mowed your lawn, um, we would have a range of barter deal for my gardening services. You would give me two dozen eggs, for example. Mm-hmm. Usually, strictly barter okay. is an ex- direct exchange for products and services, with nothing. Uh, like cash or money being mediating the exchange. So there's no cash in the deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you talk about barter systems having points or barter cash, that could be considered a complementary currency because it is a currency and it complements the uh, national system of dollars. Many of the, uh, matter of fact, all of these barter systems that I'm aware of, uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sure, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sure I'm not aware of all of them, um, but, but they all have uh, an IRS, uh, Internal Revenue Service, uh, mm-hmm. uh, situation involved with it, that that it's treated the same as earning folding green Americans, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and so there, there is, there is a, a need to claim that as income. Uh, so is that what you mean? Uh, is that also part of being complementary currency that it that it has e- equal or similar values? How does yeah. how does that work? Well, um, yes, uh, barter exchanges are um, taxable. However, there are many different designs of complementary currencies. Um, one of the biggest one here in the United States are called time dollars. And, uh, for example, what I described in the Japanese example of taking care of the elderly, the Furiakipu system, is basically a time banking uh, system, whereby for every hour I get a credit or get a chit or a coupon or whatever. In America, um, time dollar systems, there's about 400 of them right across the United States and into Canada, and Edgar Kahn, who's the founder of Time Dollars, who lives in Washington, D.C., he's telling me, I just got off the phone with him this morning, that you know because of the current economic climate, Time Dollar um, programs are opening up all across the country, at least one to two new ones every single week. So in answering the question about the taxation, Time Dollars has gotten three... Um, notifications from or assessments, I'm not quite sure what the right term is, from the IRS to say that uh, exchanges, uh, businesses, transactions done in time banking, time dollar systems are tax exempt. So they are tax exempt here in the United States. All other types of systems, and there are many more designs, um, they, you have to deal with your taxation issue with the IRS, of course. But I think you have to deal with it on a case-by-case basis. There may be other uh, complementary currencies that may have gotten a tax-exempt st- status from the IRS, but I don't know them offhand other than the time banking one. Because it's my, it's my understanding that if the Internal Revenue Service can put a uh, can quantify something or can value something uh, that you're getting in 
receipt or whatever, and, and it's uh, on that profit or loss. In other words, I, I spent five hours, but I got seven hours in return. Somehow, mm-hmm. uh, I have to pay the tax conceivably on that two additional those two additional hours. Mm, yeah, <laughs> um, um, my area of expertise is not the IRS tax code, <laughs> right, but what right. I do know, what I do know, Pete, definitely is that time banking, which is this uh, banking uh, backing. Uh, services, uh, the, the 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 actual currency of time dollars, time banking, by ours is tax exempt in the United States, okay. and anything else, anyway, I think you've got to go talk to the, the leaders of their particular uh, currency and see what their status is with the IRS. So you know, people say, oh, good heavens, this is some kind of way to cheat, and oh my gosh, this is something terrible that's going to be counterfeited, and all this. And all those uh, pushbacks uh, that we've heard, um, you know, have been addressed and are being addressed. I mean, it, it's very, very difficult to um, to counterfeit these uh, complementary currencies because most of them are, are electronic. They have very transparent uh, bookkeeping, so you can go on the web and say you have a, uh, you know, a particular complementary currency working in your own neighborhood. You know, you can see who's what everybody's accounts are. Um, you know, uh, so it's very, very transparent. And um, but the most important thing is, it links unused resources with unmet needs. And what I right. mean by that, when you think of all the unused resources we have in this great country of ours and all the unmet needs. Uh, communities are coming together and designing new currencies that bridge those two. So you could have a currency that's devoted exclusively to educational credits. You could have one um, that uh, is uh, like the Furyakipu that is designed uh, for people so that they, in their retirement age, they can stay longer in their home or they need extra help, you know, if somebody has a child that has disabilities. I mean, you can go on and on and on and on. I mean, there are currencies designed, uh, you know, in particular towns like the Berkshires in the Berkshires in in the uh, Northeast, that is a currency that's designed to uh, support local business. There's one starting up here in Denver, Colorado. I mean, it's, it's an endless um, uh, array of currencies that are being designed around the world. There's about 4,000 of them that are mature systems around the world. And the beauty of all this, Pete, is that it supplements the national system in a way that people have cash so they can go and live their lives in decency. Um, is, is it uh, the case, uh, or what keeps people involved uh, in in the situation? In other words, um, we get in, involved in, in, in the deal here. We make uh, a trade or something. Uh, we provide some services or whatever the case mm-hmm. might be. And uh, then we want to go and get some services in return because we have some some banked, if you will. Uh, yes. I, I guess that's the correct term. It is indeed. Yep. Okay. So I've got some time. You got banked. some ca- you got some cash in your pocket. Yep. Okay. All right. Good. I've got some. Uh, I've got some. I have some banking to do uh, that I can have access to. And I go and I say to uh, Joe Schmo that I would like mm-hmm. to purchase from you. Uh, your service, and he says, I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, yep. uh, can Is it ever the case where people have gotten and then refuse to give or withdraw from the system and don't give? Um, 
I, I, yes, and is a short answer to it. But you know, money is a, an agreement. So, you know, if I'm go, if you're going to if I'm going to buy, say, some of your consulting services, for example, Pete, and you know, I come to you and I say, hey, I've got time dollars. Uh, or I've got you know some other system. You have a choice in whether you wish to um, accept them or not. But in many many cases, uh, these currencies um, provide extra cash, and people are very very happy to do that. Can I give you an example of say a blended uh, transaction? Sure. Yeah. Please. Like say for example, say for example, you know, I mean, uh, you know, money is an issue for most people these days. I mean, there isn't an awful lot of it going around, and national currencies cannot be issued in sufficiency to cover the needs of the people, because it has to be kept scarce in order for it to maintain its value. If you know, the Federal Reserve started printing, you know, um, dollars, you know, everything that needed to know for everybody's budgets and everything that's needed in this country, you know, the the dollar would be worth nothing. We would have hyperinflation. So because of the way the conventional system is working or has been designed, and it was designed way back in the 1800s, actually, um, um, it's got to be kept scarce. So there will always be a paucity. There will always be insufficient money for people to do what they need to do with their lives. So communities are coming together and saying, gee whiz, there are certain things we can do with dollars. I mean, you can't buy a car with a, a complementary currency because mostly that is imported, etc. You can't buy you know, your gasoline with uh, complementary currencies. But there's an awful lot of things potentially you can. So let's take an example. I've got a spare bedroom and I want to freshen it up because I say, for example, you know, times are hard and I want to rent it out and I need to freshen it up. Now, I talk to a local painter and I say, hey, you know, I'd like you to um, paint this room. Can you give me a, a quote? The guy gives you a quote. And he said, look, and you say, thanks for the quote. And I say, I see you've got some hard costs, which like the, the, the paints, you know, the, the paint brushes, the, you know, the drop cloths, you know, the turpentine and all that. But how about if I were to pay you for your time in, in say, uh, the local currency? And as a painter, Pete, you know that there's places where you can spend that complementary currency, that local currency in your community, and you know that you can, <clears throat> you know, uh, buy yourself a meal, you can go to the cinema, you can get your hair cut. I mean, there's a bunch of things you can do in your community. And you say, you know, um, I'm actually happy to do that transaction because I know my dollar costs are being covered in this transaction, and then my time is being paid for in this complementary currency, and I know I can spend it. And the beauty of this is I probably couldn't afford to have you come in and paint my, my, my spare bedroom because the price in dollars would be double the amount of dollars that I actually have in my budget. Is that, is that being clear? Oh, yes, perfectly clear. And, and, and that is exactly the way many of these barter systems that I'm referring to, I referred to earlier, work. Yep. Uh, it's the case where the, the cash portion or the hard cost portion is yep. is paid for and then the remainder uh which mm-hmm. is is the labor uh mm-hmm. is is traded for lack mm-hmm. of a better word or bank mm-hmm. bank in yeah. this particular case yeah and in 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 barter you know you can you it's great because say you know 
I have a service and you have a service and we can we can barter it because we agree that there's there's an equality in that barter. But say you don't want my services but you would right. prefer the cash. This mm-hmm. expands the the realm of possibilities. And you know, I was just thinking one of the one of the sad things about our our life, you know, at this stage is the chasm uh, between the generations and how a lot of people in the golden years are somehow marginalized and they have so much wisdom and so much to give and have, uh, you know, tremendous um, oh, big hearts and want to be of service and want to be part of something and want community. And, and <clears throat> these currencies, because of their design, they are very different from uh, the behaviors that come out when you're dealing with dollars. And this is probably a very, very difficult thing to get one's head around. But by the design of a currency, you incentivize different um, behaviors. So when when communities come together, they're in conversation, they're designing these currencies. But by their very nature, by their very DNA, as it were, the outcomes tend to be much more cooperative, much more supportive of the individual and much more supportive of the community at large. And this is the beauty of these is it actually deals with this piece of missing community that is so much uh, a part of what a lot of people, no matter what their age are, is, complain about. We don't have a very strong, good sense of community. And these community currencies foster this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this kind of <laughs> in one of our more recent elections, there was that that candidate that suggested that the way to lessen people's health care costs is for the for them to barter with the doctor. For instance, if I, I'll yeah. take out your appendix, and <laughs> I'll take out have take out my appendix, and I'll give you three chickens. Mm. Uh, that. <laughs> That, yeah, well, uh, you know, that, yeah, I, yeah, that, that's been ridiculous. Uh, yeah, however, and, and that's. Yeah. But my point, my point being, I think, is uh, what is possible. Let's let's use healthcare as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can this be used, or can it be used in in some of the more <laughs> pressing and uh, and larger things that that go on in everyday life, like healthcare? Yeah, very good question there, Pete. Um, there are some very inter, inter very interesting um applications of uh how to deal with the healthcare system in other countries um for example there is one european country which i can't quite mention at the moment because they're about to make an announcement they have uh, something called wellness tokens and for every they're starting off with the children in the country, and they've signed up, I think, half the school-going children in that particular country to use wellness tokens. And basically, you know, as you know, obesity um, and being overweight, lifestyle issues is probably one of the most pressing issues we have in terms of health costs. Um, as everybody's very well aware, you know, diabetes, uh, some forms of cancer, you know, all these inflammation-related diseases is actually related to health, uh, to our actual lifestyle and the choices that we make and don't make, like for exercise and eating the right foods. So in this uh, national system that's about to be launched, for uh, they get points 
for changing their lifestyle, for becoming fit. I mean, there's all kinds of matrices in order to test all this. And, you know, in the case of kids, they'll get these points and they will be able to turn them in for things that kids enjoyed, like YouTube downloads and, you know, electronics and all this kind of stuff. In terms of um, the elderly, um, Australia, there's a, a private company called Vitality that's looking at the whole issue of uh, wellness and healthcare, and they're launching a system whereby, you know, with each goal that you reach in your lifestyle uh, goals, I suppose, you get these points, and this will add to um, a bank of points, which will then go against your insurance premiums, and if you get so many points, so many hard dollars will be taken off your insurance premium, which will be welcome news for everybody. So that's uh, one way of current designs that is actually looking at how uh, to make uh, the population healthier so they won't be needing, uh, hopefully, um, emergency surgery or get some of these horrible diseases. And again, you know, looking at the Furyukipu uh, system, which we talked about at the top of our conversation here, Pete, you know, that is a way to lessen the cost of being able to stay at home, have somebody come in and take care of you, you know, keep an eye on you, uh, help you out without having to pay for it in in uh, the national currency. So I think there's a blend of solutions that could actually start addressing the very, very serious situation we have with, uh, you know, wellness and health care. And in terms of, you know, uh, you know the doctor, as you said, and I'll come in with three chickens if you if you take out my appendix. I think there could well be doctors, you know, general practitioners in communities that would take um, a local currency, knowing that this currency, which is cash, can be spent, and he or she can actually take care of his bills and look after his family with this local currency. Uh, so many of these things that you're mentioning, um, uh, I I hear and I hear what you're saying, and I'm thinking, well, that's just like X, or that's just like Y. For instance, uh, you you get discounts on your health insurance now for not smoking. Yes. Uh, uh, you get, uh, and many of your credit cards, they have rewards programs where if you yes. buy a certain product then you get credit and they give it back you accumulate dollars and yes. they uh you get dollars back. I yes. know on I know on uh, Blog Talk Radio that uh uh if we have if we have so many downloads and so many listens that we can qualify for getting uh, cash back from Blog Talk for yes. uh for the fact that we're bringing basically listeners, advertisers to Blog Talk Radio with our programming. So we get a reward for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, now, what came first, the rewards or the complimentary currency? Oh, it's, a, it's a very good question. Was it the chicken, the proverbial chicken or the egg? Exactly. It's, you bring, it, it's an interesting uh, piece you bring up there because there are historical examples of complimentary currencies. The oldest written record I found from my research of an operational complementary system that's still in use today uh, can be found in Bali, Indonesia. Their island-wide system was first recorded, I think, back in 826 A.D., and that's the first written uh, record. It could have been in existence prior to that. 
and um, the system has been thriving there for many, many centuries. So, you know, if you wonder, if you, any of your listeners who've gone to Bali uh, on vacation, you know, they wonder how they are paying for all these fantastic um, festivals that they have that seems to go on for days, if not weeks. You know, they pay for it uh, using uh, the island's currency, a local currency. So they have the, uh, I think it's the baht in um, Indonesia. In Bali, I've been there, I can't remember what currency I used, but they also have a local currency. And everybody is um, obliged, I suppose, or is incentivized to uh, do local public works in banyars, which are community groups where they all get together and they, you know, they repair the roads, they build schools, you know, if my roof needs thatching, you know, they thatch it. And it's all done in these local credits. I've let, let me try to try to put this to practical use here in this community that I live in. Uh yep. and tell me how this works. Yep. Explain how how it works. I live in a retirement community. 55 mm-hmm. plus. Many mm-hmm. of them are much older than 55. Although yep. the younger ones um I guess I could be concluded as part of the younger group uh are making rapid inroads into buying the houses that the elders are uh, leaving or selling or going back to live with uh, family or whatever, mm-hmm. but but the house is now available. So the younger people are building the house, remodeling the house, and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. that means that there's there are people here in this community that do that work, that mm-hmm. that they tear down the house and rebuild it. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, there are things that have to uh, be purchased, wood, uh, decorator items, uh, tile, whatever, uh, has to be purchased, real folding green American money. Yep. Uh, yep. And there are also all kinds of elderly people here that are still here and are in need of care, need, yes. a, need of assistance. And there are all kinds of assistance providers here in this community, all Beautiful. of which all of which do it for folding green American money. Yeah. A lot of people don't have folding green American money mm-hmm. uh, because they have outlived their savings. Um, so mm-hmm. so now we have a situation where we have people in need yes. and they don't have any means of paying for that need. Yes. Uh, how can this alternative currency, I'm not, sorry, mm-hmm. complementary currency, be established and how can one of these Almost, I guess it's almost a co-op in some respects. Be, yep. estab- be established so that people can avail themselves of services uh, and hopefully better themselves and better their lives. Yeah, one of the beautiful things, Peter, and it's a, it's a very, very good practical question. One of the beautiful things about these currency systems is that the community, uh, be it you know your community. Um, you know, the village, the neighborhood, however you want to define it, get together and they have a meeting. And basically they say, what are our unused resources and what are our unmet needs? So I'm guessing that the unused resources are the talents of your community. And it's very interesting. We tend to um, obfuscate or tend to dismiss the talents that we have because you know we have maybe haven't been working for long, or you know we just don't think that my ability to um, whatever it might be would actually hold value because it has not been valued in the conventional system up until now. So what you would do is 
find out what all the unused resources are in terms of time. And I think what um, you know, retired people have is a lot of time on their hands. And how they can provide services that would then be paid for in the community currency, whatever you decide to do. And you can go to websites like timedollars.org or let's. There's a whole bunch of them. Perhaps after the, after the show I can pass on some materials to you for your listeners. You can, you can download all the information and all how to set these things up. I mean, this is the great thing about these currencies these days is because there's a convergence of access to the internet, cheaper computing, and social media, that um, you know you can learn tons of things about what other communities are doing, how they're resolving their problems, and and model your best community currency on the best thinking that's out there. I mean, there might be an, an idea in New Zealand that uh, you never thought of. That oh my God, that's exactly what we need. But the point is, you know, people are bright, people are decent. And people can put their heads together and start looking after themselves and their needs simply by rethinking money and coming up with a new currency. And the currency does not have to be necessarily, we prefer not, that is actually a token or cash, but these can be done in point systems on the Internet. Uh, it can be on your mobile phone. I mean, you know, there's bunches of ways of handling um, the actual transactions themselves, so they're secure, and you know nobody can hack into it, and nobody can counterfeit. Uh, the, it appears to me that uh, this works conceivably uh, on a very localized level, Correct. localized basis. Mm -hmm. uh, how can it be expanded into being, or can it be expanded into being a regional, or a national, or an international operation? Is that conceivable? Yes, oh, very conceivable. I mean, whatever money, conventional money can do, a, uh, a complementary currency can do. And there are different ways of designing them for whatever the unused resources and the unmet needs are. So clearly in your community you need a local currency, which maybe a very simple time-back currency would work. There are um, 16 states in uh, the union that have currently passed legislation or about to pass legislation for the creation of states' currencies that are actually backed by precious metals, for example. I'm thinking in particular of Utah. Um, there are um, currencies that can be designed for a town, such as the Berkshires, and by its design, and I'm not talking about the, you know, pictures on the currency. I'm talking about the structure, the architecture of the currency. It can be designed in a way that the currency uh, does not leave the locale and can circulate. It's actually backed by dollars, but because of the currency, it actually um, is used solely as a medium of exchange, and they found that it keeps the currency local so it actually, um, you know, fortifies the local community, and you know these currencies circulate far quicker than uh, U.S. dollars because they're designed solely as a unit for exchange for um, uh, to pay for things rather than 
a store of value to be saved. And that's the terrible problem with uh, money because our money, our conventional money system, is doing too many things. It's something you save, yet you're, you, in order to get the economy going, you've got to make sure that it's being spent. And there's sort of this juxtaposition between saving it and spending it. So if you can design currencies solely to be used as a medium of exchange, you know, to buy things and not to be saved, you have something that can actually get the the, uh, the economy rolling again. So, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking uh, you you say to be spent and, and not to be saved. But can't I save up my currency or my hours? If yeah, you will, for yeah, for the yeah. fact that I want to have my whole house cleaned rather than just the bathroom. Yeah, I understand. You know, I mean, um, there are. I am talking about a variety of different types of currencies, and some are not to be saved. The idea is that you need to spend them by a certain date because that's ah. all they're used for. So they have like a, a rusting or an expiration date. So the idea is that um, you, you, you know, you're, they're designed to be spent. So I know that I have 100 of these units that is going to be expiring by next week. I'm on the phone to you, Pete, and you're painting that, uh, <laughs> you're painting that bedroom of mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, it's, historically, I mean, it's very interesting, um, you know, during the in Germany during um, the in between periods between the first and second war, Germany went through her and Austria went through a horrible time in terms of, you know, they were just decimated after the end of the first world war. Um, there was hyperinflation and people, you know, I mean, people running around with uh, wheelbarrows full of of, Deutsch, of what the mark, whatever form of the market was then the German currency. And, you know, there was a town of Virgil uh, uh, there that uh, created its own local currency um, that was just designed purely to be spent. And uh, it was done by the a local mayor at the time. And within a month, they had full employment. That town had full employment and it was called the Miracle of Virgil. And uh, people came from all over the world to actually witness what this little town had done, and complementary currencies sprung all over Europe as a result of that, particularly in the German-speaking um, part of, the, of Europe. Unfortunately, as um, Hitler came to power, he outlawed these currencies and um, for his purposes uh, of control, I suppose. And uh, within a matter of weeks, um, the uh, the uh, town and anywhere anywhere else that was using it had very high employment back again, over 50%. So, you know, um, we have really strong historical evidence of these working and really getting people back to work. And um, unfortunately, uh, there has been some sad history around this. Talk to me a little bit. You mentioned earlier that Utah has uh, a complementary currency, which is backed by precious metal. Well, it's a it's a state um, currency, um, which is um, which is backed, I believe, with precious metals. Yes, um, there are a number of states that are concerned about 
the, where the dollar is going, and they just want to make sure there's a safety net for their state um, should um, things get worse uh, economically. Is that legal? Totally. There is nothing in the Constitution that says that you can't have a complementary currency or state's currency or a corporate currency or frequent flyer miles or nothing. The only thing you have to do is you have to pay your taxes in U.S. dollars. On whatever you earn with that complementary currency. Correct. So, in other words, it is much then like uh, a citizen making a living in some European country and has to pay their taxes in this country in American dollars. Yes, that, I mean, that, you know, you, we all have an obligation to pay our taxes. So, right, you know, this is right. not a ta- this is not a tax dodge. <laughs> right. Well, I know. Yeah. I, that's what I understand. Yeah. But I just yeah. wanted to make sure that we were clear on that. That it's, yeah. it, it's the ca- it is the case where if it's legal, okay, that's all well and good, and it works. But yeah. You're still obligated to pay your taxes as mm-hmm. almost as, as almost as if the currency in Utah uh, was the currency of a foreign country. Okay. Yeah, that's one yeah, way of yeah, looking at it. Yeah. Yes, okay. No, I'm I don't, getting my mind around that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, yeah. If, if, if you go to Mexico, and make a lot of money in Mexico, you still have to pay your American taxes. In yeah. American yeah. Dollars. I got it. Yeah. Well, if, you know, if you go to Utah, these, you go to Utah yeah. and get involved in their complementary currency. You make a lot of money. You still have to pay your taxes. Yeah. Absolutely. In American no, dollars. It was the, it was the yeah. The, the foreign uh, the foreign country was throwing me Pete for a moment. Yeah. You know, in the sixteen the sixteen states, I believe it's Georgia, Montana, Missouri, Colorado, Idaho, Indiana, um, Montana. New Hampshire, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia, and I believe also Washington State are taking some kind of action to have their own state currency, and it's completely legal. It's the, you know the only the only thing that one has to do is pay one's taxes, and you know there's probably you know state taxes that would be paid in that state money as well, which is a big help for somebody's tax bill. This is interesting because I'm looking at this, and, and and the purpose of, as I understand it, the purpose of the euro was to put all of Europe on one currency. Correct. And here, we, and here we are in this country, and we have 16 states. Did you say 18 states? There's about uh, 16 that are, are that are considering this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, they're going in the opposite direction. No, no, I wouldn't call it in in an opposite direction at all. At all, it is. I think everyone is concerned and everybody wants to make sure that there is sufficient cash for people to go live their lives decently. And the states are saying, um, they're not saying we won't use dollars, they're saying we'll have something to supplement our dollars by having a state currency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, we would say, you know, there's certain things to be done with the national currency. National currencies are great. You know, when national currencies were uh, brought together, you know, uh, during the Industrial Revolution, the Scientific Revolution, you know, there, you know, the 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 system was designed to be very efficient, and you know, it was a there was a deal between the banking system and governments. So that's what started the whole system that we have now. But we have we've inherited a system that was great for that period of time. 
we're now in a new age, a new era, you know, with a bunch of other problems that, you know, mankind was not faced with way back then. You know, we didn't have the issue, the huge issue of a grain population. Um, I mean, you name it, you know, we, we're, we're at the end of an industrial revolution. We're now going into um, a space where, you know, um, manufacture is is not going to be what it was. We don't need as many people, you know, on uh, assembly lines. I mean, the whole nature of what work is is being radically rethought of. Uh, you know, companies make bunches of money, but it does not necessarily mean that they're creating jobs. You know, so we have to look at the whole thing from another perspective, and we need currencies that support the emerging zeitgeist, if you want, of, 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 this, of this new time. So it's like trying to do calculus using Roman numerals. I mean, you know, we need to augment the current system with new currencies so there is enough diversity. Let me give you an analogy there, Pete. It's like having, going back to, you know, uh, doing up the, the spare bedroom. It's like having a toolbox, and all you have in it is a hammer. And you're expecting to do all your house repairs and the farm repairs and whatever else you've got to do by just wielding that one hammer. What we're suggesting is the hammer is great, but what you need, you need a saw, you need a paintbrush, you need a screwdriver, you need, you need you know, you know, a Phillips head screwdriver. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other tools you need in order to be able to precisely um, do the job that is needed to be done. You know, try painting with a hammer. Good luck. And that's what we're trying to do with our national currencies. We're trying to resolve a bunch of problems that cannot be resolved alone with the conventional system. We need these other complementary systems in order to augment our monetary toolbox. Re regardless of um, uh, all of the possibilities and all the positives uh, that that you indicate there are with this these types of complementary currencies, mm -hmm. we have to face one basic situation that I see in this country, in this country in particular, yes. that's the politics. Yes. How, how, I mean, the, the politician, to my way of thinking, because I am, after all, a bit of a cynic when it comes to this type of thing sometimes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, if they can't see that they're going to gain powerful pow power or they're going to increase their money through mm -hmm. because they're greedy, they're mm -hmm. not going to support it. Uh, mm -hmm. Is my thought. What do you think about how does one play against Republicans, Democrats, Progressives, Tea Party, whatever, whatever the case? Yeah, is. yeah. I mean, how does this all fit in uh, yeah. the overall picture? This is this is a very very good question here, Pete, and and one I think about a great deal. I'm sure your thoughtful listeners do as well. The conversation of money is beyond politics. Uh, it's neither what we're talking about is neither left nor right. It is about moving forward. And with communities coming together with um, an idea to improve their lot, they can design currencies that will help them and improve whatever they decided to do in linking unused resources with unmet needs. Um, it doesn't need the blessing of politicians. 
uh, you know, it might be good to get your local representatives involved so they understand. And unfortunately, most people will probably uh, drop kick it because they won't take the time to try and understand what money is, how we got there, and how this is possible, and how this is an answer to the huge problems we face, whether you're a person facing you know, your, your golden years or a young person trying to get through college or uh, a young, a young uh, family you know, trying you know, to bring up their, 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 their children and make sure that they're educated and can get a doctor's appointment. I mean, the, it doesn't matter who you are, whatever your political stripe is, whatever your ethnic background is, whatever your religious um, affiliation is, it does not matter. But we can link arms together in our chosen communities and get serious about taking the power into our own hands and creating these currencies. There's a way in which local governments, and we have designs in our book, for example, that's already happening all around the world, where cash-strapped local governments can find ways in which they can meet their budgetary um, needs. There's a way in which countries that are facing horrible things like Greece and Spain, for example, um, can actually um, invent new currencies that can get their young people back to work. Like in Spain, for example, uh, I think 55% of the young people under 25 are unemployed. I mean, if you have a disgruntled um, population that does not have access to the dignity of work, cannot look after their, 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 their needs, do not see a bright future, you have a time bomb on your hands there, Pete. I'm sorry. You know, and history has taught that us time and time and time again. You know, so, I mean, people have far much more power than they realize, and it's time for them to stand up and say, we want to have decent lives, let me get together with my neighbors, and let's go formulate these things and let's go have a decent life a do better these, life do these things have to happen underground or can they be out no there? no i'm not talking about underground or anything surreptitious or anything that's illegal these are perfectly legal there are lots of websites you can download get stories understand things it's it's fantastic these are open the more open and democratic they are the better the more transparency they have open accounting they have the better this is nothing shady illegal illicit um immoral i mean you think of the words yourself there peach you know it's not this right is but open. I, what I what i'm ref- what i'm referring to is by, by underground is i mean uh, i i just have this this oh i don't know this sense that yeah. when you start when when a group of people starts to get together to formulate something like this yeah. all of a sudden they're going to have the scrutiny of every governmental agency you could ever imagine looking to have something wrong with it and trying to find a way to outlaw it and well, it, mm-hmm. and i think and i think that is a is a huge problem, regardless of how good this may or may not be. It's a mm-hmm. huge problem because uh, if you're not doing it their way, you know, you could have a problem with them. You know, and I'm not a black I, helicopter guy by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. <laughs> I mean, no, come on. No, you know. no, 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 Pete, I, I understand uh, you and your listeners uh, obviously have certain observations to make. But let's face it, you know, time banking, for example, has been around for 20-plus years. God, I think it's uh-huh. almost thirty years now. I'm doing my math wrong. You know, they sure. have got they have gotten three uh, decrees or statements from the uh, IRS saying it's fine. What they're doing is blessed, no problem. You know, 
I mean, you know, um, will people start coming in and mucking around? Maybe. But um, there is nothing stopping people from moving forward, like the time banking system here in the United States, like the less systems that there are, like the Berkshires, you name it. I mean, there are bunches of these growing up every single day of the week, and, you know, and it's people taking uh, control of their lives and getting on with their business. Well, I'm in favor of that. There's no doubt about it. I, I, I think mm-hmm. that's a, that's a, a very positive thing, being able to take care of your life and get on with business. I think that's mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit uh, about what was it that caused you to write this book in the first place? Hmm. That's a very good question. Um, I Once I started talking to Bernard and I understood how money got created, it's, it's created out of debt when you go into a bank and get a, a loan, for example, for your car or for your house. Um, the money is created there and then on a computer. It's all bits and bytes. It's all ones and zeros on a computer. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, oh my heavens, I mean, the suffering that people go through in this system because they don't have sufficient money. And I just got really saddened um, when I really understood how this whole thing came into being. And I, I'm not getting into any conspiracy. It's just, you know, just things just get a life of its own and, and move ahead. And learning about how there's just great stories from all over the world about how communities have come together and resolved everything from garbage problems to immigrant uh, populations getting assimilated and having their own gardens. I mean, you name it. There's a be- There's tons of beautiful stories that I just wanted people to be able to read a book that wasn't in highfalutin uh, economic talk, but in a chatty way that explains how we got the system, how the system works, and and report back globally on what communities are doing, whether it's local uh, governments, uh, government entrepreneurs, businesses, corporations, you know, you name it, what they are doing to rethink money. And I just feel that, you know, everybody has the right to this information, I think will enjoy knowing this information and can potentially see a new way forward for themselves. So that was my my impetus for going ahead and writing this book. Well, I tell you, I, I I firmly believe that there should be a chicken in every pot, and yep. uh, and and I and I also believe that if somebody has the opportunity to give service, so they can gain that chicken and possibly even the pot, that's not all bad. Uh, and I'd actually add something to that, Pete. It's not just the chicken in the pot, but there's a rose on the table as well. You know, we live in an enormously graceless age, and you know, to bring back. The the dignity and there is something beautiful in everybody's lives and the the, the divine spark in everybody can get honored and I call that the rose on every table. You know there is something of beauty in everybody's life and it's not just the practicalities of paying the bills. It is that there is some grace in people's lives as well. Well, wouldn't it be nice though if you could actually pay some bills too? 
Oh, it'll uh, be great. Yeah, it'll you know, be grand. Yeah. Let me let me see. What can I do for What can I do for APS to pay the bill? <laughs> Arizona, Arizona Public Service. Uh, mm-hmm. At any rate, I, I need to have uh, uh, you be able to give your shameless, shameless self promotion, as we call it here in the Boomer and the Babe Show. So why don't you go ahead and do that? Tell us where people can get hold of your book. Uh, if you go and uh, give talks uh, on this topic, uh, how they can get hold of you. Anything you'd like us to know about uh, how to get hold of you and buy your wares. Oh, that's very, very kind for you. Well, uh, run down to your local bookstore or your Barnes & Noble and uh, buy <laughs> buy my book. Um, it's called Rethinking Money, and it's by Bernard, Leotard, and Jackie Dunn. They should actually find it under my name, Jackie Dunn. And um, we will be coming to the great state of Arizona and talking in both Tucson and I believe in Phoenix as well. And as I'm looking here, I think we're in your beautiful state uh, in March, March 25th uh, through to the 27th. And maybe, um, Pete, if it works for you, uh, once I've actually gotten the name of the locations where we'll be speaking, maybe we can put it on your website? Please send it along, absolutely. Yeah, that would be that would be grand. But uh yeah, come on down and uh let's meet. We'd love to talk to you and um you know, and uh tell you the stories of other communities and what they're doing. But the name of the book again is Rethinking Money and actually it's launched this week and is in your local bookstore. And if not, order it or you can of course go online at Amazon dot com of course. Well, Jackie, it's been an interesting hour. It's been in a, a very moving hour and it's it's over before it started it seems and and i thank you for coming on board with us today and and talking about your rethinking money process pete it's been an absolute pleasure joining you and your listeners have a good day thank you you do the same bye-bye that uh that was miss jackie dunn j-a-c-q-u-i dunn d-u-n-n-e author of rethinking money uh Sounds like an interesting process and something maybe we should look into a little bit more. So uh, get hold of the book, Jackie Dunn, author of Rethinking Money. With that, we'll say goodbye for today. We have more good programming coming up during the week. Have a great day, everybody, and thanks for listening. Take care now. interesting conversation to the world. Be sure to follow us on Twitter where we tweet as Boomer and Babe and on Facebook as Pete Peters 47. As always, you can friend us on Blog Talk Radio or sign up for our newsletter at boomerandthebabe.com. Email us at host at boomerandthebabe.com with any of your comments. Remember, at 50, you're just getting started. 